Let's make our confession tonight as they're receiving the offering. We want to say what we believe, not what we see. And it's so easy today to say what we see. But God says, just like we were just told, live by every word that I say, not what you see. Amen. So let's say this together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Let's just watch this video. Scrum Bibbly-Unctions Bar? How does he do it? My dear boy, do you ask a fish how it swims? No. Or a bird how it flies? No. No, sirree, you don't. They do it because they were born to do it. Just like Willy Wonka was born to be a candy man, and you look like you were born to be a wonker. Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, cut for it in chocolate and a miracle or two. It's a candy man. Candy man can. Candy man can. As he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in a sigh, soak it in the sun and make a strawberry lemon pie? The candy man. The candy man. The candy man can. Cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Willy Wonka makes everything he makes satisfying and delicious. Talk about your childhood wishes. You can eat and eat the dishes. can take tomorrow, dip it in a dream, separate the sorrow and collect up all the cream, the candy man, the candy man can, the candy man can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good, and the world tastes good. Cause the candy man thinks it should. Well, did you know you were going to watch Willy Wonka? <laughs> the message tonight is the candy man can or God can. You know, it talks about a dream. It talks about he can take a rainbow. He can do this. He can do this. The candy man can. And I like this line. Because he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. 
You know, I think uh, as I was preparing this message, God will not let me go from uh, sharing on miracles, the supernatural. And, you know, um, I believe we're not ready. We're not ready for the awesomeness of God. And I have felt like God has been saying to me, uh, miracles are things nobody can do but God. Everybody say, nobody can do it. The candy man can't do it. And when I was driving down the street today, that song just popped in my mind. And uh, there's a lot of candy man people in the world today. Uh, there's the welfare system, kind of like the candy man can. But they can't change your life. They can't change your heart. They can't change what makes you successful. Only God can do that. So the candy man can make some provision, but the candy man can't do what God can do. Amen. And God's ways aren't our ways, and God's uh, thoughts are not our thoughts. Uh, and so I, I was, I've been thinking about this because if we're going to believe for the supernatural, we have to get our mind in a different arena than what we see every day. Um, and then I was listening to Paul Doherty at Victor Christian Center in Tulsa interviewing T.D. Jakes. And he said, you know, we've brought God down to our level. And, and we're asking God for things that man can do. We need to ask God for things that only God can do. Like only God can change the heart of people to make a different lifestyle. I mean, we can't, uh, you know, uh, the candy man can't. You know, the, the person who's trying to counsel, the person I've counseled for a long time. And I can tell you, counseling will not change the heart of a person. Now, if it's anointed and it's the word of God, it goes in and it penetrates their heart, and they take hold of it, everybody say receive it, then it can change their heart. But it won't change them if it's just candy, if it's just the word of man, if it's just what people will tell you. How many of you had a lot of people give you their opinions? Did it change your situation? It might have helped you make better decisions, but what changes everything is God. And so as I was praying about this message, you know, um, we just were in California, and that's a whole nother world out there. Uh, you know, Pastor Bill and I were, were here, and so that means we made it in and out of California. <laughs> but uh, it's a whole different world out there. Uh, they live a different life. Uh, it's an exciting life, but I've decided after being there that if you're not rich, it's not going to be very much fun. You have to be rich to live in L.A. You have to be rich to live in Santa Monica. You have to be rich. I mean, like, monetarily, you have to have money. Uh, if you don't have money, I don't know if there's a place for you to live in Santa Monica or those places because that's what that is. But the people that are there, God has a plan and purpose for their life. The people that are sitting here tonight, the people in this city, God has a purpose for our lives. Amen. And we can't do it. Our parents can't do it for us. Uh, it's, it's God who's going to do it for us. And so I want us to look tonight uh, at Isaiah. And I, I hope the things I share tonight will build your faith. Um, you know, it, the candy man um, in that movie can't do it. But the God that we serve, he can, he can turn anything into whatever he wants it to be. And he uses faith. Everybody say faith. 
because everything that God does comes out of us believing. Everybody say believe. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, not hearing the voice of another person. And so I want to read tonight from Isaiah, uh, and we're going to be in chapter 55. The beginning of this in my Bible says, an invitation to abundant life. How many of you in here would like to live the abundant life? And so it says um, at the very beginning, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you have no money. Come by and eat. Yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? And then it says, listen to me and eat what is good. And so as you go on down in verse, we're going to begin in verse uh, 8. Well, six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. If we want to prosper, we have to be doing God's word. And no other word, because his ways and his thoughts exceed anything we could ever think of. Um, and I heard TDJ say this. We're going to see a couple of clips of his video uh, interview with Paul Doherty. But, um, you know, we, we have a creative part of us in us because we've been created by God. That means we can think creatively beyond anybody of the world. Because we have the mind of Christ. We said it at the beginning. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. And uh, he shares the story of the Wright brothers. How, you know, they didn't, um, they had no idea, no idea how they could fly. They just knew they wanted to fly. And the law of gravity says you can't fly. But there's a higher law of aerodynamics that says you can fly. (laughs) So the law that you're looking at right now may not be the law that has anything to do with what God wants you to think. What he wants you to think is so far above that that it's creative. Everybody say creative. And so that's when it takes us into the supernatural, into the miracle working of God. And I don't know if it's just for me. I'm sharing it with you because you go to this church, and I just feel like you need to hear what I'm hearing. But miracles are about to take place in the earth like we have never seen them. But God needs your cooperation and mine. See, God, you know, God works through people. Like, God will provide for us, but no tree in my yard has ever spit out $100 bills. If you find one that does that, I'd like to plant one. I'd like to get a little piece of it, put it in my yard. No, what God does is he opens great doors that we can't open. And suddenly, we're not any longer a pauper, but we are the prince, or the princess. We are the one in charge instead of under we are above. Didn't it say we will be above but not beneath? Yeah, so those things have to come through the supernatural. Now, when some people read that scripture, they stop there, but I want to tell you what it says in the New Covenant 
it says in 1 Corinthians, and if you could put that up for me, chapter 2, verse um, 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Everybody say, I have to go get this. You have to seek the Lord to find out what those things are that are going to create in your life everything that God wants created, not just for you, but for the people that it will help, the people that it will minister to, the people that it will take care of. And it goes on and it says, but God has revealed them to us through his, through what? His spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. We don't have any clue to all that God has prepared for us until we start seeking God. Doesn't it say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things? Well, what are those things? You know, I, we were so blessed last, last Tuesday morning. Pastor Bill paid the money to pay off our house. Hallelujah. Now, you know why we paid off our house? Because we worked every day. Could I say that again? There's a lot of people looking for a miracle when they need to be doing their part. We worked every day, and we paid all our bills. We even paid Uncle Sam or IRS or whoever those people are. They've got guns, and they'll come to your door, I can tell you that, if you owe money. But we paid every bit of that. All those things that we did in our lives that were difficult, they were hard. They were not fun. They didn't seem to go with the prosperity message. But we did that, and we tithed, and we gave over and above. We did what God told us to do. Everybody say, do what God tells you. And then one day, we wrote the check, and we own our house. Hallelujah. That is a freeing moment. Freeing moment. Well, you know, that's what God has for all of us. Now, I'm not saying he won't give you a miracle and somebody will pay off your house or it'll come some other way. But I know this God is faithful. And I want you to get this scripture down. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who called you. He will do it. Everybody say, he will do it. He will do it. Now, you know, we all know the scripture, Jeremiah 29.11. It says, I know my thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts. Didn't he just say my ways and my thoughts are higher than yours? But he says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Do you know how you can stay out of sin and not let the evil get you? I can tell you it's in Psalm 119. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to stay out of sin... You don't need somebody telling you to stay out of sin. Hide the word in your heart. It will tell you to stay out of sin. And it will not only tell you to stay out of sin, the Holy Spirit in you will help you stay out of sin. Amen? It's, it's not something we have to do alone once we know Jesus. The word does it through us. And so everybody say, God will do it. God will do it. We have to cooperate. And only thing I can see that the Bible says is we have to have faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And is it, you know, is it difficult to read through the Bible? No, that's easy. It's finding the time that the devil doesn't steal to read something every day in the Bible. 
Because when I read through the Bible, the little portion that it's on that daily living thing to read through the Bible takes 10 to 15 minutes at the most. How many of you have 10 or 15 minutes a day? But see, what happens is the devil steals our time. And then we're not hiding the word of God. But yet, you know, I hear people say, I just can't help myself. You know, I just can't help myself. I keep doing what I don't want to do. Well, hide the word of God in your heart. And it says you won't sin. Did you get that? You know, you don't need somebody as a taskmaster reminding you every week or a counseling session every week. And I'm not against counseling because I, I do counsel people. I have to counsel myself about every day. I have to speak the word to myself to make myself do what myself is supposed to do. Amen? There's no exemption in the fivefold ministry that says you will not have to preach to yourself. You will not have to speak to yourself. And so we have to do that. But it says, I know my thoughts, and they're for good. Everybody say for good. In Ephesians 2.10, this is what it says. We are his workmanship created for good works. Good works. You know, I believe in the body of Christ. God wants to take us up to a level that everybody's looking. You know, the world is looking for something to help them. And the only help is God. The only help is through Jesus for the world. Right now, I thank God, you know, for for people that we have dedicated to the things of God that are in leadership roles in our nation. But they're not going to make the difference in the heart of a person. Only God can change the heart of a person. You know, we we can stand and we do. Abortion is wrong according to the word of God. It, it is taking a life. But when you try to explain that to people that have no conception of that, the Bible says they won't get it because their mind is not renewed to truth. The only way to break through is to pray and the power of God touch that life and change that heart. That's the way you change heart. And everybody say, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. I used to hear in Tulsa a lot of times when we lived there and we were on staff there in that church for nine years, eight years, they'd say, that person got radically saved. Well, they're saved and they're saved. And then they're saved. And then they're saved. What they meant was they instantly stopped doing the things that were destroying their life. That's what they called radically saved. Amen? Well, I believe God wants to radically save some people who are already saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that will be a miracle. Because they have so much religion that they don't have relationship and they have no idea what they're missing. So they need to be radically saved again. Now, do I believe, I believe if somebody has confessed Jesus as Lord that heaven is their destination. Are you understand what I'm saying? They will not live the victorious life. They will not live the abundant life because they are not listening. Even though the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, they're not listening to that voice. Therefore, the victory is escaping all the time. And God is who he says he is. He is the one who can. The world will tell you all kinds of things that are going to change your life. Some of you have tried a few of those, so have I. But there's only one thing that changed me, and that was Jesus. And he took the fear. He took the care. 
And when I do what he says, I live a victorious life. Amen? That's what we're supposed to live. Now, in Habakkuk 2, 2 through 4, and most of you know this scripture, and then I'm going to give you some examples tonight that um, I just want you to start believing God can. You know, uh, I, I know you think that. God can. But if you believe God can and God's will is to do it, then we should have no care. Could I say that again? My husband's been reading it to me out of a stress book. Uh, <laughs> I want to tell you, uh, what's that guy's name? Dr. Dr. Colbert. Now, he attended ORU, and he graduated out there. He's an MD, but he, you know, he knows the Word of God. And, and so he teaches um, medicine is not forbidden, but there are other ways. You know, and, and so there's ways, and, and I believe part of it is to believe God is who he says he is. Because stress comes when we take on us what we cannot do. That's really what stress is. It's meditating on things that we can't fix. But God can. Everybody say, God can. Yeah. And so when you hear the Candyman song, I want you to start, well, you probably won't hear it anymore. Because Willy Wonka went somewhere. I hope heaven. Um, but, you know, it, that song, the words in that song talk about the ability to take the impossible and make it possible. Well, that's what God does, not Willy Wonka. Amen? And so uh, Habakkuk, this is what it says in Habakkuk 2. Now, you know, Israel is in a terrible state. And the prophet Habakkuk is just complaining all over the place about, God, why aren't you going to do something? And then God begins to speak. How, how many of you ever complained to God and then he starts to speak and you feel like the real fool? Oh, boy, that was dumb. What I just said was really dumb. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Doesn't look like there's any vision. And make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse 3, but for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Everybody say appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries. Wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then the last verse, uh, verse four, behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. The proud simply is a person who depends on themselves. The just are those who depend on God. The just shall live by faith and not by sight. The proud live by their ability, and they are always thinking about how can I fix it, or in today's world, how is somebody else going to fix my life? How many of you run into a few of those? Surely it's somebody else's responsibility to fix my mess. I'm telling you, that won't work. If man fixes your mess, you'll just have a different mess. If God fixes your mess, it'll be fixed. But it requires faith. Everybody say faith. And uh, it, I'm going to give you just a few names. But, you know, Gideon, um, you know, he, he was just a weak man in a wine cellar hiding because uh, the Midianites were stealing their crops, were burning their crops, were taking everything they had. So he's hiding in a wine press trying to make a living when God shows up and calls him a mighty man of valor, everybody say, God's thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. 
And you know the rest of the story. God used Gideon mightily. It wasn't because of what Gideon thought of himself. It was what God said about him. And if God says, God can. And God will. And then, you know, Joseph, he has this wonderful dream. And then he gets a little prideful, I believe, tells his brothers, tells his father. How many of you know, you know, if you get to telling too many people how important you are, somebody's bound to show you you're not. And so, you know, they, 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 there was a hiccup in his dream there for a little bit. And he took a few other stops before he fulfilled it. But everybody said, God said, God did. Say, God can. God can. Now, it doesn't always happen the way we want it to, but God will bring it to pass. And sometimes, you know, um, we go through things in our our path to where God's taking us, and there are things that just don't go right. But that doesn't mean we're not on the right path. You know, as Christians, uh, when we, especially when we walk by faith, we can get to thinking, well, I must be on the wrong road. Because, you know, if I was on the right road, this wouldn't be happened to me. Listen, anytime you start down the path God has for you, the devil is going to show up on that path. And he's not going to say, bless you. Get right on with the plan of God. Let me help you. No, he's not. He's going to help you to detour you, to pull you off the plan of God. And so, you know, it does, something going wrong doesn't mean you're not in the right place. And the enemy will, I believe, from my experience... Anytime we've ever started in something that we thought God was telling us to do, we've always had opportunity to say, I quit. This is not God. If this was God, it wouldn't be this bad. It would not be happening like this. And uh, I believe that all of us have to recognize Joseph went through a lot of things, but he was right on time with God. He was there when the famine came. He was not late for what God had assigned him to do. Now, he went through some things. I don't know if he had to go through them or not. But God, he was on time, and God was on time. Everybody say, God can do it. God can do it. So if you're facing things today, you don't understand. You know, Samuel was a prophet, but he was really the son of a woman, Hannah, who wanted to have a baby, and she dedicated her son to the Lord. And because God gave her a son, she took him as a small boy after he was weaned, and she took him and left him with Eli, who was a prophet, and he left him with him in the temple. And and he was raised, and that became who he was. Uh, you know, he didn't really get to be a teenager and say, oh, I think I'll do this. He did what God gave him to do, but he heard the voice of God. Everybody say, he heard the voice of God. You know, that's the first thing to believing that God can, is to hear God's voice. What is he saying to you? What are his, what are his thoughts toward you? What is he saying to you? And um, when we were out in California, I just have a few things I want to share that I, this may not be where you are. Maybe it is where you are, but I have a grandson. Uh, he just turned 24 yesterday, and uh, he was the one that was getting married, and my husband uh, did the wedding. And uh, I remember when he got out of high school, uh, my son had saved up all the money to, for him to go to college. And he was the first son, I mean, first child. And my, Matt had worked really hard. I mean, he had planned for this. I came out of a divorce situation. I never had a lot of money. And, uh, and, and so we lived by faith and not by sight. 
but my son uh, has really worked hard, and he 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 invested and he did things in the companies he was with. He's a pharmaceutical rep. I used to say he sold drugs, but now I can't say that. He's a pharmaceutical rep, and so he because he said, "Mother, don't say it like that. That's not right." And so, but over time, he'd accumulated. He had this he he had this dream for his son, and uh, he was going to go to OU. He was you know all these things. Well, the son all through school would sit in his room every every night. He built him a little studio in that room. Uh, he he didn't have a lot of friends. He had one guy friend that he ran around with, and they had a few friends every now and then he'd go out. But every time I was there, he was in his room every night, and he always had on headphones because he played music all night long. Uh, he He developed songs. He produced his own songs. He wrote his own songs. Uh, for a while, he played in a band, but but he finally he had a little sound booth in his room, and then he had a set of drums, and then he had a guitar, and and he had a keyboard, and then he got this computer, and then he started putting music in. That's the way they do it today, and layering it, and making all these things, and nobody cared to listen, especially his parents. They said, "Put the headphones on. Don't be, you know, don't make all the noise, you know," because he, he did it constantly. It was like all the time, the guitar, you know, and all that. And uh, when he became the senior, he didn't want to go to college. He wanted to go to California. And he wanted to be a producer. Now, that sounds ridiculous in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, I'm going to go to California, and I'm 18 years old. And I'm going to leave home, and I'm going to go to California. And, Dad, you could just give me the college money, and I'll just go off to California. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He just said, I'm going to California. Well, I get out there for, for graduation, and uh, I'm outside with my son. He goes, Mom, this kid, he, he says he's not going to go to college. He said, this is my dream. And I just looked at him, and I thought, too bad for your dream. <laughs> too bad for you. I already learned that with you. <laughs> so don't be, don't be trying to push my buttons because... We might get a whole nother message right now. And so he said, he said, I, I had this dream. And then, you know, he got tears in his eyes. He goes, Mom, he doesn't want to go to college. He wants to go to California by himself. And he doesn't know anybody in California. Now, he went to school for a year at Tulsa Junior College because out there in that county, if you live in that county, you can go free to school. And he got all the credits for the first year. It was He and his dad made an agreement. You just go for a year, and then we'll decide. Well, in May, he announced, I am going to California in June. And I'm taking my girlfriend with me. And do you know, they made it. They made it. We just did their wedding. She writes music. She's a lyricist. And he became an intern and made no money but worked all night waiting on people who are somebody. Just running errands, going to get food. This is an intern in a, in a place where they record music in L.A. And that's what he did. And then he got another internship. So for a whole year, he worked in a, in a place, uh, a gym. He did all kinds of jobs. She was a nanny. They did all these things trying to get going in this situation. Today, in that, well, just a few months ago, in the studio where he was an intern, he had his own parking spot. My grandson, at 23, 
And she ended up with a parking spot right next to him. And everybody's saying, this cannot happen. Everybody say, God can. God can. And I'll tell you why I believe it's God. I was sitting in church. Now, this is back when my son has got the tears going and his dream is ruined. And we're at church. And uh, Zachary's here and his mom and me and my son's an usher. And he's going up and down. And it's dark. And Pastor Sharon Doherty's up there on the platform. And the music is playing and the end of the service. And she was pastor then and she said, you, you over here, there's a young man right back there. How she knew who he was, I, she didn't know him. But how she knew he was a young, I don't know. But she said, you're, you're right there. And I'm thinking, she's pointing right over here where we are. Now, I've been with her for years, so I knew this is the Holy Spirit because she doesn't do this unless she feels like God's telling her something. Everybody say the gifts of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, remember, is the one who reveals things. Now, this is my grandson's dream. It's his dream. It's always been his dream. He's standing over there. She goes, the young man with, by the lady with the white blouse. Of course, I look, and Michelle's got a white blouse. I'm thinking, uh-oh. And he begins to, she begins to prophesy to him about the dream that God's put in his heart and that he should follow the dream. Don't, not man, follow the dream, blah, 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 blah. Well, here comes my son as soon as it's over. <laughs> Did you hear that? She just ruined everything. going to California. I go, yeah, he's going to California. You know why? Because he had a word from God. And I, I, every now and then I'll say to him, I'll never forget that. He said, me either, grandma, I play it. I play that word because I had him send it to him, the recording of it. And he's had to play it many times, I'm sure, over the last four years. I just share that with you because if God, if God said, he's not a candy man, He's the real deal. If he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. But my grandson suffered. In fact, when we went to the rehearsal dinner, they said this is where they would come to eat because it was in Malibu, and they dreamed of being down in Malibu. They'd go down to Malibu and go in this restaurant and split a meal because that's all the money they had. But we had the rehearsal dinner there, and they got to eat all they wanted. Hallelujah. Because my son was paying for it. (laughs) He's enjoying the dream right now. Hallelujah. (laughs) My son, Matt, he's enjoying the dream. Hallelujah. You know, I just tell you that because it doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. You know, I can remember Pastor Bill sitting there next to me, and and Greg Ford came here, and he spoke about Sudan in 2005. 2005. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, Bill's got tears pouring down his face. And when we get home that night, he says, I'm going to have to go to the Sudan. I'm thinking, What? You're going, where? I mean, th- that guy's going there. They don't need you to go there. He's, he's going. We'll just help him. But it never left him because while he was hearing that, even when he saw the letter from him, he, inside God started speaking, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. See, it, God can do whatever he wants to do, but we have to get in agreement. We had to shift a lot of things in this church for him to be able to go do that. And all of you helped. All of you helped in this dream. It's God's dream. It's not our dream. You know, this church is God's dream. Everything that God has 
is his dream and vision for your life. It says in Psalm 139, I know the plans I have for you in Jeremiah 29. But in Psalm 139, it says, I knew you before you were born. I formed you in your mother's womb. And your days were fashioned by me. Amen? And so if God has dreamed that about you, if you get in agreement with God, that dream is going to come to fruition. Now, um, Joel Osteen, you know, I was hearing T.D. Jake speak about him, and you all know who Joel Osteen is. I mean, he was just a cameraman for his dad. And he told his dad, I'll just make you look good. I don't really, you know, I don't really want to be on the other side of this camera. But today, all that they do, all that he learned when he was behind the camera on that side, he can now put into practice on the other side of the camera. See, those things that we go through, everybody say, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know, I think the church thinks, oh, the called people are on the platform. No, the called people are in the pew seats. We don't have pews. I'll get one if that'll help you. We'll get you a pew. The called people are out there. This place up here is just to bring people into the presence of God and send them to where God wants them to go. Equip them. Everybody say equip. Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Do you know what it says in John 6? It says the work of the ministry is to believe. It doesn't talk about jobs. It just says the work of the ministry is to believe that God is. That God is who he says he is. Uh, You know, I want to show you a video of T.G. Jakes. It's, you know, sometimes we can think we're called to one thing and then... You know, it doesn't work out. That doesn't mean you don't hear God. Uh, I've thought I was called to things before and got into them and thought, oh, this is not my calling. This is somebody else's calling that I'm supposed to help them get in their calling. Everybody say jealousy, envy, strife.
happen to me. Why? Because I would look to man to help me fulfill my destiny instead of God fulfilling my destiny. And I needed to be on the right horse when it went by. And I had gotten on a few wrong ones. Hallelujah. That's another story. Okay. Copeland did become all that God's called him to be as preacher, but he sings too. Now he sings too. When we were there last year, I don't know the song that did he sing, How Great Thou Art. And he began to sing. And he sang that song like I've never heard anybody sing it. And there was a Jewish rabbi there. <laughs> And he got up after the song was sung and said, Kenneth, I have never heard anyone sing that song like you just sang it. And he was Jewish. But it was so powerful, you could have heard a pin drop in there as he sang the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. Did you hear T.D. Jakes talk about the anointing? See, when you're in what God's called you to be, it will destroy the yoke of bondage and it will lift every burden. That's when you know you're where God said you're supposed to be. But we got to believe we've got that going on in our life. Uh, the last one is Paul Osteen. And uh, I knew Paul Osteen because when I worked at ORU in that season as a single mom, and we're going to close with this one, uh, it's Joel Osteen's brother. And uh, he was in the medical school. It was the beginnings of the medical school at ORU. Uh, and so they were a little behind in getting it started due to paperwork and permission for things in Oklahoma. And uh, so I was alone in an office, and there were 20 medical students. And uh, I ended up in Tulsa uh, because of a friend who made, you know, a connection for me to go there and interview for a job. But I had been reading a book, and in that book it said, God promotes people when they're faithful with responsibility. On the way to your destiny, God will test your faithfulness in your responsibility. And so on the way home from interviewing in Tulsa, when I got on that plane, there was a young lady there, Madeline Minning Mims, who was a gold medalist. I ended up sitting by her. She began to talk to me and told me, you know, I believe that you're following God. I didn't know her, but I was going home to tell my family, I'm taking three kids, I'm moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma, Never mind that I've been divorced twice and I'm a complete wreck and I'm on Valium, but I know what I'm doing because God said, hallelujah, mother, goodbye. Daddy, I'm leaving. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it was just about that ridiculous. But in my heart, on the way home on the plane, this is what I heard. You've been faithful with two, and now I'll give you 20. That line was in this book, and I had highlighted that, and I had been helping a couple that today are good friends and they pastor churches up in the north and I had been encouraging them and helping them they're the ones that made the connection for me in Oklahoma and I had stuck by them through a lot of things and now they were in Oklahoma and I was in Indiana they had made that connection and God used that line you've been faithful with two now I will give you 20 and it said that's how God promotes so I ended up in this position at ORU. I didn't know anybody. I was in a room all by myself in what's called the LRC, which is the Learning Resource Center. And, and so I'm in this room. I have 20 medical students who have nobody to report to except me, who I'm, I'm a basket case. I mean, they shouldn't be coming to me. But God began to speak to me things and show me things in that room. 
And uh, this one young man came, and he had a place in his leg. And so I just said, well, I'll pray for it. Because I started listening to John Osteen's tape because Paul Osteen brought me his dad's tapes. And so I started getting this faith going inside me. I was, you know, ignorant to the word of God, really. But I got excited about the word. Everybody say the word. So I began, and I, and I said, well, I think it's the, da, da, and I don't even remember what I said, but he was a medical student. He was learning the parts of the body. And he goes, that's exactly where it is. How did you know that? I said, I don't know. It just popped in my mind. Well, from then on, they thought I knew something. They, th- they thought I was spiritual. This is the truth. So then they asked me to teach in their, teach their Bible school, Bible study one day these 20 medical students. And I'm you know, not on Valium anymore, but wow, I'm not very bright uh, in that schooled. And so God gives me this message. It's, it's, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, but it's the rich man that builds all the barns. And then it says, you know, you're going to build all those barns, but where are your riches? You know, what, it, what are your riches? And I said, how, it's, at the bottom last line is, how rich are you toward God? And I said to the medical students, how rich are you toward God? And they're all looking. I said, the Bible says that you'll be, if you're going to be doctors, you lay hands on the sick and cast out devils right along with it because you're Christian. I'm telling them all this stuff. They're just looking at me because they're not learning this in the classroom. And, uh, and so I'm just telling them, giving them all this. I mean, I was confident. I studied. I, I, I was scared, but, but I did it. And uh, I said, y'all are going to have signs, wonders, and miracles follow you because you've come to this university. And this university stands for signs. I mean, because I, I was talking like Brother Roberts. Well, I got in trouble because, you know, I, I started believing all that stuff. And, and just because it's a Christian university doesn't mean everybody's believing all that stuff. But do you know what God did? He brought Kenneth Copeland to ORU, and he did a chapel, and Brother Robert said, I'd like you to speak to my medical students, and my boss said to me, I think probably you should go to this, because you've been saying all this, so maybe you'd enjoy going to the meeting, I said, well, yes, I would, (laughs) I would, because I'll learn, you know, but I was just so ignorant, but so sure that I believed what I read, you know, you don't have to be the smartest whatever in the bucket. You can just know God. Everybody say, just know God. Just know God. And whatever God wants to do in your life, he's going to do it. Now, I'm just being sincere with you tonight because it's time for miracles. And miracles don't happen because you think with your mind that you think with your heart. You think what God thinks. And I was just, I just did what I heard John Osteen say to do, and Kenneth Copeland say to do. I didn't know Kenneth Copeland back then, but I thought, that guy's pretty smart. That's what, that's what Oral believes, too. I didn't know Oral, but one day Oral walked in my office. He walked in, couldn't talk, just sat there and stared, just stared. And he said, hello, how are you? I thought, I don't know. I don't know how I am. I don't know who I am. I said, I, I'm fine. He said, and he asked me if somebody was there. I said, nope, just me. He said, well, you have a good day. I said, thanks. And and he left. I'm sure he thought there's a loony down in the bin. (laughs) But, you know, I was just so, I was so shocked to look up and he's standing by my desk. 
But I believe God put me there so I could grow in my faith. And he said, when you're here, I'm with you because I live here. Because they let me live here. He said, so I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. And he, God totally took the fear out of my life in that place. Paul Osteen was instrumental in that, the son of John, because he brought me all the tapes. And so he was studying for medical missions. He lo- that was kind of his goal. But it, this is his story. His brother tells it. Let's listen, and then we'll close. Being in God's will, there will be a not knowing factor. You're not going to know all the details, how it's going to work out. You have to have this boldness to step in to the unknown. This is what my brother Paul did. You know, he's a medical doctor. For 13 years, he was the chief of surgery at a hospital in Arkansas. He had a successful practice. Looked like that's how he would spend his life. But when daddy died in 1999, Paul felt the Lord leading him to come back home to Houston to help us pastor the church. His colleagues thought he was having a midlife crisis. They told him to wait at least a couple of years, get over my father's death, not make an emotional decision. But deep down, Paul knew that's what he was supposed to do. In his mind, it didn't make sense. Leaving your medical practice, giving up all that training, thoughts started telling him, What if it doesn't work out? What if you don't like it? What if they don't like you? What if you get down there and Joel makes fun of you all the time? (laughs) In the natural, it seemed like he was making a mistake. But like Abraham, Paul went out not knowing how it was going to work out. He didn't have all the details. We didn't have a 10-year strategy. All he knew was the first step. Go back home and help your family. What Paul didn't know was how the ministry was going to grow. He didn't know that after eight years of helping us faithfully pastor the church, God would open the door for him to go to Africa several months at a time and operate on less fortunate people. That was his dream to do medical missions. He thought he was walking away from medicine. What he couldn't see, it was all a part of God's plan. If he had not stepped into the unknown, he wouldn't have reached the fullness of his destiny. When you have this boldness to go out not knowing, your life will be more rewarding, more fulfilling than you could ever imagine. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Give God praise. You know, um, when I knew him, you know, he he, he had a plan for medical missions, but he ended up in Little Rock and, and became that chief of surgery all those things, but God had a bigger plan. When he was a little boy, he was in a village with his dad in Africa. And that's where he heard God say, you're called to medical missions. But he did all those other things. But do you know where was the first place that he went on a medical mission trip? Same spot, same city, exactly where he heard it was the first place God sent him to confirm to him, here you are. All these other things, They brought him to where he was in that place. That's what God wants to do with all of you. I just, I want to pray for you tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that every person that's here tonight, and even those that might listen to this, um, that this word will get in their heart and burn in their heart. Some of you, God's deposited creativity for things you haven't even thought about yet. 
Some of you, God's put thoughts in your heart and you're thinking about where you've missed it. That's not going to help. You can't think about where you've missed it. You've got to see that all those things, even if you've missed it, are going to work together for good. And God's going to use them in your life as a part of the plan and the purpose and the destiny that you have. Because God's not finished yet. Your best days are right in front of you because God takes you from glory to glory. I want to pray first if you're here tonight and, and you, you don't know Jesus, maybe you've come, or you know Jesus, but you let go of the things of God, even though you've heard them and heard them, you just kind of let go. You've lost hope, and, and they, those things just seem impossible. And in letting go, like T.D. Jake said, you've taken a little sabbatical along the way that wouldn't be the way God would have you go, but you want to get it right you, would you lift your hand, because we want to pray tonight, because when the word goes forth, God brings with it an anointing to lift every burden, to destroy the yoke of bondage, to bring those things in our life, I see your hand, yeah, Father, in Jesus' name, you know, you show them, okay, now if you're here tonight, and, and you know in your life that there's things God's put in your heart that have just seemed impossible, and you've kind of just, you've been just knowing in your heart I, I don't know if I believe it anymore I, you know that, you know you're thinking that would you lift your hand, I want to pray for you yeah. thank you Jesus well, I say to you that God's plans are, are his purposes they're already decided and they're going to come to pass and your ability to believe is all God's looking for not, not who's going to do it or how you're going to do it or who's going to do it for you your ability to believe because God is going to do it. Tonight, Lord, I pray. I pray for all of you that lifted your hand in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that your plans and purposes, you said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you search for me with all your heart. And so I thank you that that will begin to be the purpose of those that have lifted their hand that they would begin to seek and search for you and search for your plan and your purpose in, in how to get where they want to be, how to get where they're going. And Lord, if they're where they're supposed to be, give them that release to be content where they are in Jesus' name instead of striving after something that it's not time for yet. In Jesus' name, they would be content where they find themselves. Paul said, I am content in little, in in much, I'm content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So wherever they are right now, that they be able to know in their heart, I can do this. I can do this because God is not finished with the work yet in my life. I can do this. I can do whatever God tells me to do. Some of you, I believe, are trapped in a place because you just don't think that God can do it anymore because you haven't seen it. You know he can, but you, you you don't think he can. Does that make sense? You know it, but you don't think he can because you've, you're starting to let go. In Jesus' name, none of you in this house tonight will let go of what God has already promised you. In Jesus' name, because God can do it and God will do it. He can turn nothing into something instantly, instantly. Or He may it may be a process, but God will finish whatever he starts in your life. And that's from the womb of your mom to where you are today. God is working on your behalf. And as you seek him, 
with all your heart, you will find him. And those things will be changed in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for every person here that, that as we leave this place, we think forward. We don't think backward. Because thinking backward will not take us where you're taking us. Only thinking forward. It says, I press toward the mark. I go forward. I go toward the thing that God has put before me. And, and Paul said, I lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. I want you to all say this. I will become all God called me to be. Because God can do it. He is faithful. He has called me and he will do it. I will fulfill my destiny. I will be content where I am until God finishes the work. I hear the voice of God and I will obey what God speaks to me. I have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and God will complete the work that He has begun in me. Until I see Jesus, it is not finished. So I think forward. And I think what God can do, not what I can do. In Jesus' name. I want to leave you with this. It said, the candy man can because he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that God is good. So I just say to you, the man that takes care of you is the man that's watching over your life. And he can do whatever you need. Just mix it with a little love, whatever it is. Amen. And God will make it good. Amen. Go and be blessed. Hallelujah.